now. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency, and this is really interesting. Um, it continues to find its way into the headlines for one reason or another with, you know, pretty decent regularity. Um, it played a role in the convoy protest thing. You remember that, right? When GoFundMe shut down the crowdsourcing venture, uh, they switched over to crypto. Uh, it's become an election issue in some ways, at least for the leadership of the uh, Conservative Party, Pierre Polyev, talking about uh, cryptocurrency. Also, uh, Alberta Conservatives, Jason Kenney, talking about how Alberta can be a hub for cryptocurrency. So it's definitely making news that way and also internationally. Uh, regarding the Ukraine-Russia situation, it's actually um, a big, big part of the Ukraine-Russia situation. To find out why, we're going to chat now with Mona Hasgi, who's an associate professor in financial accounting and IFRS at HEC Montreal. Hello there, Mona. How are you today? Hi, how are you? Greetings from Montreal. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Um, you know, when we talk about cryptocurrency and the situation in Ukraine and Russia, I, I, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of just how much of a role it's played. I mean, we're talking about tens of millions of dollars have been sent to Ukraine in cryptocurrency to help fund the defense effort there, right? Exactly. Actually, this this period of war is is, is kind of exciting time for for cryptocurrency because, like, uh, it it kind of uh, uh, heightened the interest of of everyone since we we discovered like the role that uh, that that virtual currency can actually uh, play uh, as a support for those who are uh, in need, but also with, uh, as a deviation tools for those who aspire to to operate beyond the rules. So, yeah. crypto was not only good for Ukraine, but also for Russia at the same time. So it's kind of double-edged sword yeah. at the moment. Definitely. And uh, yeah, so. Um, Back back to the back to to Ukraine. I, uh, it was it it's what started actually with a, with a simple tweet from uh, the government, uh, Ukrainian government representative, mentioning that uh, you know their country was now accepting donation in different type of cryptocurrency. And actually, few few minutes following that that tweet, millions of uh, dollars were raised in few minutes while uh, traditional donation would have uh, taken a while before getting on the Ukrainian accounts. That's what so, it, that's, uh, that's the key factor here. That's why it's so attractive, right? Yeah. It's, it's instant. Exactly. Actually, the use of crypto instead of uh, traditional financial institution it, it has made actually money transfer uh, much faster, more agile. So you can imagine that in time in, in war, time is very crucial. So if you if you do a bank transfer, you have to wait for two or three days. Yeah. In crypto, you just send the money, and you know in five ten minutes the the transaction is done, and you can access your money as long as you have your a private key. Now the other side of it, as you say, a lot of these ways that it works you know, separate or different than traditional methods that make it so good for Ukraine also make it really good for Russia. And that's a concern when you're talking about economic pressure, sanctions, we know everything the West is trying to do to hurt Russia economically. Crypto is a bit of an out, right? Yeah, actually, exactly. Because, well, the the fact that the crypto are, you know, borderless, are decentralized, those advantage they gave um, Ukraine uh, advantage for the war because they were able to raise money to fund the the army and fund the conflict. But at the same time, one can imagine that, uh, you know, 
Putin and the Russian oligarchy are probably as well taking advantage of uh, of this uh, decentralized nature of cryptocurrency to evade sanction or at the very least to to mitigate their effectiveness. What Actually, about- you know, when we speak about virtual currency, they are quite effective in bypassing the checkpoint that governments rely on to block the execution of of, of transaction. Because what government usually do is like you know blocking or freezing uh, transaction, and 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 government can do that using the banks. So, in the absence of you know interme- of financial institution or any intermediary what happens is actually it takes um, it, even if it, it, it they doesn't uh, like the government doesn't have any way to block the money and even if they have you know a way to access the virtual cr- uh, currency portfolio and to to block it or to freeze it it takes a few minutes to transfer the funds to another to hundred other accounts which makes the blocking operation even if they do exist they are still less effective so you know we can imagine that you know to in order to mitigate the sanction you know the putin's ally would use hundreds or thousands of accounts to carry yeah. out numerous transactions on a very small scale in order you know to move their wealth for instance so and, and um, just to finish on the Russian part, actually, they are quite uh, advanced also on this domain because, you know, the Russian government have been announced that they are developing their own central bank digital currency, which would be a kind of digital rubble and that can eventually be used to trade with other countries without fear of sanction. And and it's, and they can also use, you know, hacking technique to, to help um, Russian actors steal digital currency and make up for those uh, lost revenue due, uh, due to sanction. And, and, and Russia is not the first country to do that. Like uh, we, we have, we have seen by the past, like country like Iran or North Korea using cryptocurrency to mitigate the effect of Western sanctions. So the question then, when we see this kind of activity, and I mean, part of the allure of cryptocurrency and part of its, you know, its advertising feature, its cachet is the fact that it's unregulated. But when we see Mm -hmm. something like this and the skirting of international sanctions, does that put more pressure on governments to come up with some way to try and regulate this? Exactly, exactly. That's the whole point of uh, me and my colleague writing the article is actually that the current war has finally put the world of virtual currency on the spotlight. And, yeah. you know, never never before has either the media or the polit- political interest been uh, so uh, uh, resounding. So actually, uh, since uh, since the start of the war, we have been great progress. Like the in the U.S., uh, we have been uh, like uh, Joe Biden uh, released uh, a new um, uh, decrees, uh, uh, you know, like urging uh, government to take uh, this matter in hand and urging like all country to to try and to reach out for some you know international cohesion in, in the way they they regulate they they can regulate um, cryptocurrency and actually. Um, there is today there is already few regulations that exist you know in in canada we have been in trying to regulate this a bit for a few years now but still like there is there is um, there is like regulation like uh, know your customer anti money laundering regulation yeah because but but we are we are there is still a lot of uh, let's say 
black holes where uh, where at some point there is um, the, the 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 cryptocurrency universe is still most are regulated than regulated because even if those regulations exist they are still not effectively used and um, and the at the same time, there is a bright side, because if you think about it, actually, cryptocurrency can, can cannot really afford like to be cut off from the world, from the rest of the financial system. So even if that's the, the goal at the end today, if you can't go back and forth between you know regular currency and cryptocurrency and vice versa, most of the customers will lose interest in crypto. So. It's the whole future of crypto that is at stake here. So, so, so for now, the crypto they still have strong ties with the traditional system because at some point people want to convert back yeah. to regular currency and vice versa. You know, so which means that for that there is there is this, this uh, currently this limit that uh, you know cryptocurrency are still um, you know relying on the traditional financial system so at some point we will have we will need like to have a regulation that can be established and can be overseen and can be you know which at the end might make actually all the cryptocurrency transactions traceable uh, in the same way that, uh, you know, uh, we, we can trace regular financial uh, transfers. But the challenge would be then to find the right balance because yes. it would be good to frame, to regulate, but, you know, we, we, want, we don't want to lose the advantage that makes crypto a fast and efficient tool for financial exchange as, as it was the case with the donation for Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. So the, the that, that that this balance is what's what's actually is taken time to find, and actually I, I think that's what all the government are now working on is to, to try to to come up with you know regulations that would not at the end you know uh, you know. Regulate too much, or you know, delete what what's good, what and what the, the good side or the good uh, the advantage that that, uh, that comes with uh, with cryptocurrencies. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating topic, Mota. Thanks so much for your mm-hmm. insight. I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. That is Mona Hasgui, who is an associate professor in financial accounting and IFRS.